Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. All right, it's episode 65 of the MMA Outsiders. It's our second to last episode of the year. Zan, it's a big one. I mean, we've got, we're coming off of a very major boxing fight. We're coming up on a couple of major boxing fights. Well, one, I think, is more major than the other. One is major in terms of a big star in this sport. The other is the end of an era. So... It's two different sides, two different spectrums of uh, of big. And then, above all of that, we got a loaded UFC 296, the last UFC card of the year. And the UFC is trying to go out with a bang for 2023. Yeah, they're trying to go out with a bang for 2023 in a fight that's extremely highly anticipated for the welterweight title. If you don't know by now, it's Leon Rocky Edwards versus... Colby Chaos Covington, a fight that's probably been over a year and a half in the making. But before we get into UFC 296 and all of that and so much more, be sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow the Empty the Bench podcast network across social media at ETV Network, across Facebook, Facebook, Facebook X, Instagram, TikTok, and so much more. Of course, you can follow our show at MMA Outsiders ETV. I'm Zan Bando. I'm a staff writer for BJPen.com. You can all also find my work over at MMA Knockout on Sunday mornings, as well as various exclusives and so much more. You can follow me at Sanbando99. To my left is Tom Albano. You can find his work over at MMA News, fan-sided MMA, and of course the PFL website as he is just off the heels of a very, very, very entertaining PFL Europe card that took place this past Friday. So stay tuned for all of his work um, in the seasons to come and so much more. But back to the UFC event at hand this weekend. This is a very big card, and uh, it's funny enough, two years ago we were sitting at UFC 269, and the numbers have totally flipped, which means uh, we're, we're just four events away from UFC 300, and this already is a, a precursor UFC 300-type field with a lot of bad blood going into this fight between these two. It's kind of interesting. It's almost like a, a champion is walking into enemy territory considering how beloved Colby Cuppington is by millions of people, whether you like him or not, I guess. But yeah, this is one of those fights that's been brewing for quite a bit, and uh, it's r- really a fight of contrasting styles. You know, you have Colby Covington, who's a dominant wrestler, and you have Leon Edwards, who's just overall oh, a great mixed martial artist and used his kickboxing effortlessly in London to stifle the attacks of Kamaru Uzman and kind of make him look a little old. So I think um, either way, this is one of those fights where, without question, it's a, it's a coin flip for sure. And it's one of those fights where if I'm a, if I'm a betting man, I'm scared because both of these guys are so evenly matched. You think the fight's going to go one way, and by the time we get to Saturday, it might end up being a totally different fight. Um, this is a perfect bookend for the UFC, considering we could not get McGregor versus Chandler um, as the end of the year main event. I guess this is a good consolation prize. Uh, Tom, how excited are you for this fight? I feel like this fight's you know, been flown under the radar ever since it's been announced, and now we're at UFC 296 Fight Week officially. 
from the T-Mobile Arena to close out 2023. What are your early thoughts going into this fight week? And as well, this very important main event where the winner of this fight, there's kind of a bit of an uncertain future at 170 pounds, even though um, the newly announced backup fighter in Bala Muhammad would probably have something to say about that. But what are your what are your early thoughts? Uh, my early thoughts, Sam, I mean, first of all, I have to give credit to the UFC because sometimes their posters come off very generic. But you did you see that poster where it's Leon on one side with the British flag and Colby on the other side with the American flag? Just yeah, shut yeah. this genius. It looks fantastic. And to think, Zan, to think that this fight could have happened in July in the United in the United Kingdom. Leon could have had the home field advantage, but he didn't want to fight in July. And so they settled for a main event in December. But as you mentioned, he now has to come into enemy territory. And I mean, with Colby Covington, obviously there are millions of people who like him. There are also millions of people who don't like him and are tired of his shtick. Now, now, Zan. You have your finger on the pulse just as much, if not more, than I do. Has former President uh, Trump said he's going to be at 296? Yeah, Colby Covington revealed uh, yesterday in an interview with Berto Komodo that, yes, Donald Trump will indeed be there. And Colby Covington essentially guaranteed victory with him in attendance. So that just oh. ups the stakes of this fight even more. Well, yeah, it does up the stakes and this ups the up the stakes of this fight. But in terms of like the crowd reaction, where we talk about the hometown, I think that's the thing. If if Trump goes in there and he gets a ravenous ovation like he got at Madison Square Garden last month, yeah, the crowd is going to be booing the absolute hell out of Leon Edwards. If he gets yeah. a mixed reaction, I could see I could see it being a bit bit of a mixed reaction for these two. Yeah, uh, and I was going to say, speaking of Trump, it's very similar to when I was at UFC 264 and he was present, and um, there was there was a deafening cheer in the building. And of course, Colby Covington wasn't on the card, but you could tell without getting too much into the political spectrum, you could you you could tell kind of who people were favoring at that card. So so if he gets a similar if he gets a similar reaction to what I witnessed. Back in July of 2021, yeah, it could definitely it could definitely make the fight even more interesting than what it than what it already is. And um, by the way, it seems like he's going to be there, and it seems like there's been hints that uh that the Nelk boys will be in attendance for this. So I think I think there are going to be a lot of eyes on this Colby Covington fight one way one way or another. And our good friend um uh Zade, who's been and then the show before is in uh. Is in Vegas the entire week um, doing, doing coverage on this fight. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to him that one of our 50 MMA media um, group chat members is in Vegas for, for this fight. So it seems like the stars are out for it and uh, it'll definitely, it'll definitely be a spectacle. I it's the only, I, I, I guess, I guess the only person that would be missing from this, from this equation is yours. Is yours truly, I should technically, I should technically be there. <laughs> So as far as this fight, the fight itself goes, I mean, I think it laid it out perfectly. Colby Covington, big up with his wrestling. Leon Edwards, I mean, he's got decent wrestling himself, although he's definitely, I think, Sam leans more towards his boxing. And no, I agree. The, thing is, the thing is, we have seen Colby Covington box before. 
remember that striking display he put on against Robbie Lawler in Newark back in August of 2019, where he set a UFC record. Colby's hands are pretty damn good themselves. And, and, yeah. and, and he and Kamaru, in their two fights, they went at it completely. For sure, and I guess you could say the same about his striking spree and his win against um, RDA. I think his boxing in rounds three, four, and five really dictated the pace of that fight and gave him a clear decision win. So I think if he uses, if he if he gets on the inside and he does what he did against Robbie Lawler, this this fight is going to be very interesting because no disrespect to Kamaru Usman, but the version that Colby Covington fought, or it's, Excuse me, the version that Leon Edwards fought at UFC 286 in March is not the same Kamaru Usman that nearly beat Leon Edwards before he was head kicked. He's just a totally different fighter, and you can kind of argue that he's aging. You're, you're not going to get any of those. You're, you're what, what I'm trying to say is you're not going to get any of those slow, questionable discrepancies with and we Leon Edwards and Colby Covington fight. It's gonna it's gonna be a fighter fight from the second the fight starts. To, Hold it till the second till this second it's over. It's gonna be it's gonna be one of those fights that could very well end up on a fight of the year contender, which we'll talk about in the weeks to come. Sorry, what were you what were you gonna say? Yeah, well I was gonna well I was gonna say you're right. I, I think you could say that Kamara Usman changed as a fighter for the minute he got head kicked by Leon Edwards back in Salt Lake City. The only mm-hmm. issue I have with, you know, all this talk about all the fight hype and all the talk about Colby getting this title shot and the bad blood is I think the bad blood and the UK-US feud, if you want to call it, that is the only reason he's even getting a title shot. Because okay. I, I, that, but that's right. Again, because think about it, Sam. This is Colby Covington's first fight in nearly two years. The last time he fought was in March of 2022 where he took on George Masvidal, who this was a post-2019 Masvidal. So he was back to the Masvidal normal. Obviously, he still had some hype around him. But Masvidal, just at that point, Zan, he was not the Masvidal 2019 anymore. And he ended up retiring not too long after. No, he was slowly but surely aging. And you could tell as that fight was, was, um, was getting deeper and deeper into the later stages that he was a shell of his former self, and that's what Colby Covington exposed for the most part. Right. So my point, my point being is that Colby Covington has had what one or two wins in his last four or five. He's had two title shots against Usman already, and both those didn't go to plan. Obviously, Leon Edwards is a different fighter, and we talked about once Leon Edwards beat Kamaru Usman in the trilogy fight, how it freshens up the division, but. I think, Zan, you could make the argument, especially what you said about 170 and some lacklusterness to it, that this is Colby Covington's last shot. If he can't beat Leon Edwards, I don't know. If, if he gets another title shot, and if he does, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some working up to do. Oh, I don't, I don't think he gets another title shot again if he loses this one. Um, and I was just trying to... By the way, Tom, the last time that Colby Covington won two fights in a row, you have to go all the way back to June of 2018 or excuse me his interim title fight win well, well yeah but you have to go oh you have to go all the way back to um to June of 2016 when he started his win streak but the last time the, the last time he won two in a row you have to you have to go all the way back to 2018 which is just nuts right After when he won the interim, he won the interim title 
And then he couldn't unify with Woodley because of the nasal surgery. So the UFC quickly stripped him, which is the one thing where I say Colby got absolutely wronged by the UFC. No oh, matter if you want to get, no matter if you think, you know, you know, no matter what you think personally, Colby, he was absolutely wronged by the UFC there. And then right after that, August 2019, like I said, where he puts on the striking display of the century against Robbie Lawler. Right. So, so the thing is, like I said, and he has put on hell of an effort against Kamaru Usman, but on the official records, he lost. So he what he lost, but to be fair, before he was finished, could you make the realistic argument that he was winning that fight until he until he until we got finished? Because I think I think a lot think, of people I think a lot of people would say that. I think you could argue three one for uh, Colby in that fight, but then I could also argue it could have been two two as well. See, I had it. See, I had a two two. I had a two two as well. Mm hmm. Okay. So, so speaking speaking of, I mean, obviously this is this is Leon Edwards' biggest fight of his career. I think I think you and I are speaking for most of the MMA community here that I think more people are tuning in more so for the Colby Covington effect. That, in the air for Leon Edwards, but if Leon Edwards can get past Colby Covington, where does that put him in your opinion in terms of superstardom? And is there another fighter, um, you know, kind of looking at it past this fight? We're, we're, we're assuming in this scenario that he wins. Do you think there's another fighter with enough star power that can push him over to the push him over to the edge to continue this title run that he's on? Because I feel like this is a legacy defining fight for him, and if he and if he wins, I. In his UFC run will be looked at a lot differently than if he than if he loses. Well, let's have a look. So right now with the welterweight rankings, we have Usman who's not getting another shot. You have Bilal Muhammad who's fighting as the back who's weighing in as the backup fighter. And I think if Bilal Muhammad wins, that's Leon Edwards. Uh, that I mean, if Leon Edwards wins, Bilal Muhammad is his next title challenger. You have Covington at three. Gilbert Burns, I mean, that matchup's kind of all right now for a title fight, but I would like to see one more win for Gilbert Burns. And then you have 5-6, Shavkat Rachmanov, Stephen Thompson, who are facing off on this card, and we will get to that fight in a little bit. So I'm going under the assumption with the rankings then that Hamza Chemaev is going to be a middleweight. He's not going to be going after the welterweight title, I assume. That's what I think, too. So I would I would say Chimaev, but it sounds like he's just going to be at 185 at that point, unless right. unless Leon goes up to 185 to chase that fight or to chase the winner of Strickland versus Duplessis. Right, I th I think he has a lot of options. I think he needs to see how this fight plays out first before he starts worrying worrying about DDP and Strickland, which, by the way, is another high level fight in itself. In terms of a pick for this fight, um. I know, I know a lot of people. It seems like the betting odds are saying this. It seems like a lot of the MMA community when he's saying this. I it's simply put, I don't. I I think that Colby Covington's career is going to be defined as you know he's one of those fighters that just simply couldn't win the big one. I think Leon Edwards is better everywhere. I think he gets Colby Covington into deep waters. I think he hurts him several times. Um, I don't think he finishes him. So I'm gonna go. Oh, conservative and say that Leon Edwards wins a decision, but overall, the way Leon Edwards has performed over the course of the last year and a half is leaps and bounds better than anything that Colby Covington has done over the last four years. So, based on that merit alone, I'm 
picking Edwards to defend his welterweight championship and uh, rightfully challenge Bilal Muhammad, hopefully in Chicago for the UFC welterweight title in June of uh, in June. Because I think the UFC is banking that if they want it, if they want to come back to my territory or in neck of the woods um, next year, they're gonna they're gonna need a reason to do so. And Bilal Muhammad being from Chicago would be that would be that exact reason. So if you're anyone from the Midwest that's holding out for a major um, Midwest UFC card, that's the that's the scenario you want. There you go. I I made a new banner for you. I I I I appreciate that. Yeah, I do like to I do like to plug Chicago every week. That's for that's <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> All right. As far as that pick goes, Zan, you and I are on the same page. I think. Both men are tough. That this one goes the distance. If you if you are looking for a safe bet, I think a Edwards Covington goes the distance bet, a prop bet is one to have a look at. Oh, I think, I think it'll. Men, I think I think it'll hit. I really, I, I really it'll hit as well. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. My problem is, like I just said, Colby Covington's last win came against a washed up George Masvidal, who retired about a little about a year after that fight. Uh, we haven't seen Covington since. I know. Dana has been saying he's been accepting fights. He's been doing weigh-ins. But at the same time, we haven't seen him in action. And no matter what you want to say about the Kamara Usman that Leon Edwards fought in the trilogy fight back in March, you know, he still beat Kamara Usman. At that time, Kamara Usman has still been seen as one of the best welterweights today. Like, you guys are still number one in the welterweight rankings right now. So at at that point, you got to give that credit. You could even, as much as... uh, Covington had the performance Lawler. You could argue Lawler, older fighter. You could argue RDA, kind of had RDA's number. So at this point, I, I like you, I got to go with Leon. I'll say this fight goes the distance. This fight goes to a decision. But I, I just think Leon's got, as you mentioned before, the all-round better fight game. Yeah, I think he's the all-round better fight game too. But, I mean, wh- what do you think – It'd be the biggest key uh, for Colby Covington and to try to pull this off. And do you think if Colby Covington does win this fight somehow, some way, the UFC he already looks towards an immediate rematch? Because as we keep alluding to every single week on this show, they, they need a main event and to fill UFC 300. Is a potential rematch between these two if Colby Covington wins the fight, or what do you what do you what do you think? I- if, if the fight is entertaining as we think it could be, if it is truly that striking battle we think we could be, I, I could see. I could see a rematch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, uh, plus I don't think UFC is going to, you know, pass up on the opportunity to do this US-UK feud again with Colby Covington now as the star at that point. I mean, not as the star, as the champion star at that point. For sure. And I think there will be a lot more unanswered questions if Colby Huffington wins, just considering what we alluded to with Bilal Muhammad and how long he's in for his opportunity. Well, don't worry, Bilal. I'll always remember the name. But as well, much as well we, but as much as we talk about this, that fight, Zan, this is the title fight I am waiting for. I cannot wait for this one. Alexander Pantoja makes his first defense of the flyweight title against Brandon Royval. Zan. I have been singing Brandon Royval's praises. I think if you remember when we were together at Fanside, we did a piece of like, who should the UFC, you know, sign? And at that time, the UFC was trying to rebuild the flyweight division. I think Brandon Royval, I think he was LFA. 
I forget if it was LFA or CFFC. I want to say LFA. He was the flyweight champion at that point. And I said, I want this guy here because I think this guy can make an impact. And then I don't think Brandon Royval, out of all the UFC fights he's had so far, maybe he's had one bad fight, one bad performance, maybe two. He's he's been somebody to he's been somebody to watch, and he is somebody who has been impressed. And I'm very proud that he's getting this title shot here. Yeah, first off, you were correct on the LFA front number one. So kudos to you, the quick fact check that I just did. And number two, yes, I do remember that fan side piece. To be quite honest with you, I don't remember which prospect I picked, but I do remember it was you or somebody else that was super high in Ray Vault. So to see him, you know, have this opportunity to challenge for the flight for the flyweight title, I know he probably had to wait longer than expected, just given that Moreno and Figgy fought four times and whatever. So um, good for him for finally getting it. Pantoja's no slouch. Um, this is, and, and I and I hate to use this term, but I'm just going to say this is going to be a reincarnation of Moreno versus Figueredo 1. I, I just see, I just see all-out constant action for both of these fighters to the point where I would not be surprised if there's some mass controversy. It's like the Grasso Shevchenko fight because both of these two are just so evenly matched and it's almost like they're two mirror images of each other to where at this very moment in time, I don't know. I don't know what to pick. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think that this is a pretty even kind of matchup. I think Pantoja, I def- definitely think Pantoja is going to be utilizing a lot of ground game against Royval. Meanwhile, but Royval, training out of Factory X, he is also very big with his jiu-jitsu, but also very big with his Muay Thai. We have seen his striking on point. I think, Zan, this is going to be a fight that's battled a lot in close. I think you're going to see a battle. I think you're going to see a clinch battle. I think you're going to see body locks against the octagon. I think this fight's going to go to the ground a number of times. This is going to be a lot of close in-range fighting. Uh, I won't lie and say that my heart, because of of, um, that fan-sided piece, because I've been singing his praises for so long, my heart kind of is with Royval. I think this is going to be a very close fight to the point, like you said, Zan, potentially a controversial decision is in the making. You know what? It's the last UFC card of the year. Screw it. I, I will I will go with my uh, preferences, and I think Brandon Royval becomes the new flyweight champion on a controversial split decision, though. Shoot, I forgot that this is a rematch too. So this is definitely a long time in the. They did fight. Uh, they I knew they did fight. When did they last fight? It, it was August of twenty twenty one. Uh, Pantoja lost by a by a rear naked choke, or actually, uh, Royval. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was lost for Roy Ball by Rune Naked Choke at a at a UFC fight night card in August of twenty one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did lose to him. Mm-hmm. You know what? All right, I will go. I will go the safer bet. I will go with Pantoja. I think this is like you said. I think this ends up in a very controversial split decision, though. I think it's going to be too close to call. I'm uh I'm taking Roy Ball to win the UFC flyweight championship. All right, you know what? Then I'm gonna go with Roy Ball. Fine. But it's only it's 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 only based on the sole merit that he's seen Pantoja before. He he said over two and a half years to think about. Oh, there there are several um not gonna names in our group chat, but there are several people that have been high on Roy Ball ever since losing this fight. So based on 
based on that fact alone and based on that he's on a nice four to five fight win streak, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take him. So all right, then I then I don't feel afraid. Then I don't feel afraid to let inhibitions come out. I am hope I am gonna say Brandon Royville becomes new flyweight champion as well. I'm I'm thinking we gotta have at least one title change on this massive card, right? Yeah, I think I think we need to at least have one massive title change and and and, and as we keep alluding to every single week, UFC three hundred needs fights of Royval wins and you wanna do and you wanna do the trilogy and it, it makes all whole lot of sense to do it to do it right back in the same building on the biggest UFC event in seven years. So, I'm sign, for that. so, so sign me up for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sign me up as well. All right, we made mention of this fight before, right before the two title fight. It's a featured bout on the main card. Shavkat Rachmanov, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, five and six in the UFC welterweight rankings, at least as the time of recording. So, I mean, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, we had heard the rumors of a potential fight with Kamar Usman before Usman got thrown up the middleweight to take on Shamayev on short notice in Abu Dhabi. Um, Wonderboy uh, was supposed to fight uh, earlier this year. And then his opponent ends up missing weight. Wonder Boy chooses not to take the fight because noting how those who miss weight seem to have an advantage in their fights. That's been a big stat talking point about missed weight, Sam. I think you'd agree over the last couple of years that those who miss weight end up coming out on top in their fights. So Wonder yeah. Boy says, so Wonder Boy says, you know, I'm trying to make one last run for the title. I'm gonna say no. And so the UFC is now going to feed him to Shafkat Rachmanov. Yeah, and um, I mean the the last time that Wonder Boy Thompson won two in a row, you have to go all the way back to November of 2019 when he consecutively beat Vicente Luque and Jeff Neal before losing back to back fights to Gilbert Burns, which is a fight that I was at, and then followed up by a loss to Bilal Muhammad um just a couple of months after. And then of course he had his two canceled fights with Michelle Pereira, who you and I both said on this very program was going to be very tough considering that. Michelle Pereira has been a prospect to watch for a while, and that was going to be his biggest fight. But well, yeah, Zan, it's clear. Zan, it's clear what the UFC is doing here. The oh, UFC sure. is trying to is trying to feed is is trying to use Stephen Wonderboy Thompson as a means to get Shafkat over. And I think this is kind of punishment for saying no to Michelle Pereira after he missed weight. Well, and this is also punishment for saying no and questioning as to whether or not the UFC was going to pay him. Unfortunately because you had that whole controversy on top of it. So it's it's just been a string of bad luck for Wonder Boy over the last few years is really what I'm trying to say. And I think this is the worst possible matchup for the former welterweight title challenger. I think that Shavkat Rachmanov has been a welterweight to watch for the last several years. And I just think this is this is gonna be a it's gonna be a a wash unfortunately. I see I see Rachmanov finishing this fight inside 12 minutes with the TKO, I think I think it's going to be ugly. Um, this Wonder Boy survives an early storm, which is what Rachmanov likes to do. I could see this being a really long night, and this this is one of those things again where I really think the UFC is trying to target as many fresh contenders at 170 as possible. And Rachmanov is just another person on that list that they could go to, and uh, I think it's going to smell bad news for. Someone who several years ago people thought could, could could be a champion and could be a champion for several years. It obviously did not play out as such. And I, I just think, again, I think the younger youth is going to trump the experience. So give me a rock up by TKO in the second, probably about three and a half minutes in or so. I'm going to go with Rachmanov by 
stoppage in the third round. Interesting to note, Stan. Rachmanov has not seen, as far as I could tell, a decision once in his MMA career. It has been all knockouts and submissions. He has finished every single opponent. Yep, now, he's finished. He's been finished every single fight, including a five and zero mark in the UFC since joining the promotion during COVID in twenty twenty. Before that, he was a dominant ranking well in M one global, going seven and zero between twenty fourteen and uh, twenty nine. So he's just kind of kicked ass wherever, wherever he's been. And I remember watching his UFC debut going, that could very well be a future champion in a couple of years and look at the position he's in now. It's pretty unbelievable how quickly these young prospects grow. And he's only and he's only 17 and 0, and he's getting and he's getting nastier every every my, single fight. My question is to play devil's advocate a bit, Zan, because he's so young, because this is the biggest fight of his career. You know, is Stephen Wonderboy Thompson going to present as much as as much as he's older and he's not the Wonderboy of 2016? Is he going to present a challenge that Rachmanov has not seen before? And what happens if Wonderboy does survive that early storm and the fight goes longer? Is that going to favor Wonderboy at that point? I think it. I think it could. I think it because could. This, because because you're right. The UFC wants Rachmanov to win because then you could do something like. Leon Edwards versus Shavkat Rachmanov, or you can do Shavkat Rachmanov versus Gilbert Burns or Kamara Usman. But if Stephen Wonderboy Thompson wins, everything kind of gets shaken up. If Wonderboy oh, yeah. wins, if Wonderboy wins, and Leon Edwards gets past Colby Covington and Bilal Muhammad, the UFC is going to have a very interesting situation on its hands. So, would you entertain a potential Wonderboy versus Gilbert Burns rematch? If he if he beats Rachmanov, because I think that's the other direction the UFC goes. If Rachmanov doesn't win, what do you what do you think? I think so too, because Gilbert Burns had his way with Wonderboy last time, and I think it's a safe bet that that could happen again. Uh, but I'm but I'm just saying the more the UFC, like maybe I'm saying this because I do like Wonderboy and he's always given his time to me. Uh, but the more the UFC tries to feed these young prospects to Wonderboy. And, you know, if the young prospects win, then they get what they want. But if they feed these guys and he loses, at some point, they're going to have to give Wonderboy one last title shot. For sure. Well, uh, nonetheless, at least in five or six months, we'll get to see Stephen Wonderboy Thompson's all-time hilarious reaction on UFC Watch Party and UFC Fight Pass. Who's yeah? Who's going to fight? So I mean, so yeah. to credit credit to him, credit to him, he reacted to his knockout uh, loss against uh, Anthony Pettis. So credit to For him sure. that he can take everything in stride. That being For said, sure. that, that comment, by the way, that last comment aside, like I said, I'm still taking Rachman in a third round finish. Uh, I agree. It's just that I will be taking him in in the second. Either way, I do think he it's um I do think he gets a finish, and I think the fight. Ends before the final bell. I will, will say though, if this fight goes the distance, don't be surprised if we end up getting some more controversy that you least expect. So, for sure. All right, let me talk about the one fight on this card, Zan, that I am not looking forward to. I get it. It's Patty to Batty. I get it. People are still hyped with Tony Ferguson, and I get Tony Ferguson talking about that interview he did. I think it was with Helani uh, a few months ago, where he kind of laid it out. I mean, yeah, it was in July. Where he kind of laid out, he understands the situation that he's in. But Zan, if he loses, he ties your boy BJ Penn 
with the longest losing streak in UFC history. And going up against a prospect with all the hype in the world behind him, like Patty the Batty. I'm sorry, just no. And I, especially after the way he got finished in his last fight, just I no. Know. I know. And speaking the fact that he's lost five in a row and he went from being someone who thought, who many thought could challenge Khabib and beat Khabib to getting the fight canceled on him five times and, the, and just having one of the worst downfalls in recent UFC history. It's definitely not a good sign, not to mention all of the stuff going on outside of the cage. The, this is a fight, to be quite honest, that shouldn't have even been sanctioned. So I really, I really think the biggest loser in this fight is NSAC because they're the one, they're the one letting it happen. So, but I guess they weren't going to turn away a guy that can still be a big star and it still has name value. But yeah, no, just considering everything that Tony Ferguson has gone through since 2019, 2020, since that loss to Justin Gaethje. When he did, when he weighed in for the Khabib fight, even after it got canceled, and then a weighed week, in a, a week, a week before his interim title fight, it made it made it made no sense. Yeah, uh, I mean, there was obviously it, it seemed like some sort of issues with Tony Ferguson before, but we just talked about the ideas in of a fighter changed, weighing in at one fifty five two weeks in a row, and then putting on the performance in a bad way in a loss against Gagey like he did. That really changed Tony as a fighter. Oh, for sure. I mean, do you, can you can you realistically say that Tony Ferguson has a fair shot to win this fight, or do you think the ver version of Tony Ferguson that we're seeing now is is going to be too easy for Patty Pimblet to pick apart? What do you What do you think? I mean the the only fight that Tony Ferguson had an entertaining performance in as of late, Zan was the fight against Nate Diaz that was made on such short notice, and it was because they're two, you know, OGs and badasses. But everybody else, like, this kind of fight, Zan, is just... It's just not good. It's it's just absolutely not good. I, no. I just... I can't see this. Uh, I mean, Pat, I was gonna say... I was, I'm trying to figure out a way, because Patty's winning by a finish. But Patty has, I was going to go with a knockout, but Patty has more submission victories. He has nine submission victories, six KO, TKOs. I'm wondering if maybe a fin uh, finish via submission is more likely in this scenario. And maybe it's the most merciful. I'm going to say Patty Pimblet by finish, but I'm not going to go as far as saying submission. I think it's going to be more conservative where he hurts him several times and then like the third or fourth time he rocks him is when the referee calls it. It's what it's what I it's it's gonna be one of those fights where he's like up against that's the cage. That's the thing, and that's the thing, Zan. Tony's chin is just really not what it used to. No, no. So, in the words of, as much as you know, we don't like talking about him on this podcast when he's not doing anything uh, cage, you know, fighting related. We just talked about he he should be fighting this weekend. But in the words of Patty Pimlet's fellow countrymen, one round. I think this one goes one round. Pimlet finishes him in less than five minutes. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say Pimlet wins in the first round too. But if, if you're going to go submission, I'm going to go TKO. I just no, I'm going to go. Bad. I said I'm going to go TKO because of. The oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so we're so, so we're both in the same wavelength that Pimble, 
it's going to win by TKO, which would mean that Ferguson's lost six straight. And uh, if he loses, in in my opinion, and I think 99% of the MMA community's opinion, it's probably time for him to retire and think about the next phase of his life because his last four fights oh, have just long been the worst. Yeah, it's yeah. I was, I, I was just going to say four out of his last six fights have been the worst we've ever seen him. So, uh, yeah. And this is one of those fights, too, where, the again, the UFC wants to build up another big star. This is Patty Pimblett's, you know, year-long wait. He owes not to fight at Madison Square Garden, so he gets Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, oh, this is the situation that he, he's put himself in front of, and we'll see how he handles it. We'll, we'll see if he actually um, retains any fans after this. Speaking of trying to retain fans, the next fight we have is, Vicente Luque versus Ian Gary, and to be quite honest with you, um, if you're if you're a, if you're an MMA uh, connoisseur and you've been living under a rock, I think this fight is getting more hype with what's going on outside of the cage than what up and inside. Oh the yeah, the whole Ian Gary Sean Strickland <laughs> drama that's going on. It's oh, so yeah. weird. It's it so is. weird. It's the most bizarre. It's the most bizarre thing. Only in MMA can we have this kind of drama. Yeah, and uh, considering that this is a fight preview segment, and uh, me and Tom have mutually agreed that we're not going to bore you with the details of what the heck is going on and focus on the fight itself. Tom, I think that with what is going on with Ian Gary, it's just going to totally mess up his psyche. What do you What do you think? That's a big worry of mine. It's also a big worry of mine. We consider Zan Vicente Luque and his striking. I know Ian Gary's a decent and a, a nice striker himself, and he's got some nice power behind him, but Vicente Luque is in that same category. Right. I, I know he definitely got he got knocked out by Jeff Neal. Uh, he lost a couple to Bilal Muhammad and Jeff Neal, but those aren't too bad of losses, in my opinion. Uh, no, no, not at all. And Ian Gary, I don't think Ian Gary has faced somebody the level of Vicente Luque. Right, I, I I was gonna say compared to Ian Gary's last fight, this is definitely a step up in competition. And if he tries to run against Vicente Luke eh, the way he ran in his last fight against Jeff Neal, I'm pretty sure that that might that might smell bad news, and that might smell for a very early finish. If 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 he if he tries to circle the way that he did, because that that doesn't that that doesn't work against every fighter at one seventy, because every fighter at one seventy has different tendencies. Considering how Nasty Vicente Luque has looked over the last few years and the way Vicente Luque it can finish anybody from anywhere, um, if, if he and Gary attempts to play any mind games with him, uh, it's however that's not going to be that's not going to be good. Yeah, I I still believe in Ian Gary and his ability to win this fight, Sam, but I don't think it's going to be one of those spectacular finishes that we've seen. I think Vicente Luque is too tough for that. I think this is a fight where Zan either Gary's going to win with this fight going to distance. If he somehow finishes him, it's going to be late, or Luke is going to end up finishing Gary. That's the way that this fight is going because this is where we're going to have to see Ian Gary go to another level, especially if it means fighting a full 15 minutes against a top 10 welterweight. And I just wanted to correct myself his fight, which up Neil was canceled earlier. Or his, his his last win was a very uh, lackluster performance against Neil Magny. So I just wanted to fact check myself there really quick. Mm-hmm. 
But I, I, I do think this is one of those fights where I think if Vicente Luque doesn't finish him early, I think the longer the fight was the longer in favor of Ian Gary. So um, based on that alone, I actually am going to take Ian Gary to win by decision, but I would not be surprised if Ian Gary somehow, some way gets finished and suffers his first loss. If you were to compare um, this Ian Gary, Vicente Luque fight to where Conor McGregor was at that point in his career, this would be like when Conor McGregor fought um, Dennis Seaver. You didn't really know how Conor McGregor was going to do against Dennis Seaver. Dennis Seaver was still one of the best fighters in the world at that point, and Conor McGregor absolutely steamrolled him. I think that this is Ian Gary's version 10 years later of the at fights, so we'll see how he does under the bright lights in Las Vegas, a place that he has won before. He just doesn't fought on this big of a stage. This is his second consecutive pay per view um, appearance. So I, I think there's a lot more pressure on Ian Gary than people realize. But if Ian Gary oh, yeah. can win the fight, he will definitely be a force at 170 moving forward. But it doesn't mean in any sort of way that he's even remotely close to a title fight. He'll need at least three or four more wins to his. I wish that. So give me and Gary, but I would not be surprised if the other side prevails as well. For sure. Uh, feature prelim, by the way, you got Josh Emmett taking on Bryce Mitchell. Bryce Mitchell coming into this fight on very short notice. So credit to him. Josh Emmett, I, is, this, is this his first fight since losing the interim title fight with uh, with uh, Yair? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double check that too. Give me a second. Uh, that being said, you know, I give credit in the world to Bryce Mitchell for taking this kind of fight. I just think this is the kind of fight that may, I mean, uh, Josh Emmett is the kind of opponent where coming in on short notice may not play well into his favor. He obviously he has the win over Edson Barboza. He has the win over Dan Ige. Uh, hey, he lost Tom, to Tapura. Tom, just to give you a heads up, you had just mentioned Tapuria. That, that, was, that was Josh Emmett's first fight. Uh, back after losing Diara Rodriguez, just as a just okay. as a oh, he did right. He did fight Tapuri. I forgot. Um, mm-hmm. My point being that you know I, I like Bryce Mitchell. He's young, actually, he's my age, and I know he's got yeah. a crowd behind him. But I and I know Emmett's older, but Emmett, like we said, just recently had an interim title shot. He's got a lot of power behind him, and I think this is a fight that, as I said. I don't think you take a fight with Josh Emmett on short notice and expect to come out on top. No, I think Emmett uh, boxes him and wins a clear unanimous decision. Yeah. 30-27 on all three judges' scorecards. If Bryce Mitchell had two or three months to prepare for this, um, I, w- I would give him a little bit more of a chance. But only taking this fight on less than two weeks' notice smells absolute bad news. So this will be a nice bounce-back win for Emmett, and this will be a great learning experience for Mitchell as he is still one- – one of the best contenders in the sport, and someone who, even though has a lot of retractors, is still very entertaining. Other notable prelim bouts on this card, Tom, do any of these other prelims stand out to you that we have not yes. discussed yet? And if so, which ones are they? Uh, I got to give a shout out to Cody Garbrandt versus Brian Keller on the uh, tele- televised prelims as well. Cody Garbrandt, the former champ, obviously has had his struggles ever since losing the Bannerweight title so many years ago, but he and Kelleher. I think it's a fantastic matchup. Huge opportunity to Kelleher to add a former champion's name to his resume. You got Alonzo Menafield and Dustin and Dustin Jacoby who are headlining the early portion of the prelims on ESPN Plus. Uh, let's see. 
Uh, in between the Emmett Mitchell fight and the Garbrandt Kelleher fight, you actually got a women's bantamweight bout between Irene Aldana and Carol Rosa. And then women's flyweight opening up the televised prelims, Casey O'Neill, Ariane Lipsky. I think this is a. Uh, you got some decent stars on this card. You got some decent uh, drawing power, even on the prelims. Yeah, so I guess um, j- just to kind of up up this segment, fact or fiction, do you think UFC 296 is worth 84.98? Why or why, why or why not? No. No. I don't think, Zan, most UFC pay-per-views are worth $84. I don't mind doing the $80 purchase, but I am scared that it is December time, and we may in a few weeks get that notice that I that I feared that we talked about before about a, a an increase to eighty five dollars a pay per view. Which, if that, what were you gonna say? Unfortunately, <laughs> so if if, if the UFC pay per views go up to eighty five dollars, I'm just gonna emotional be damage. On top of the on top of the already emotional damage that you tell me every single time a paper increase occurs, so that's even that that's even more stress on top of more stress, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, um, do with an information what you oh UFC two ninety six can be picked up in the United States on ESPN Plus pay per view. It's a small programming note that the televised version of the prelims is going to air on ESPN two. Because of some impending uh, um, NBA as well as um, the, the finals for the NCAA women's volleyball tournament taking place on ESPN. And so that takes president over to the UFC, of course. And then you can catch the early prelims on ESPN News, ESPN Plus, and UFC Fight Pass. We're flipping over to ESPN Plus for the pay per view at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. And no, this promo was not sponsored by anyone. <laughs> no. All right, Jake Paul, Andre August. I know it's Jake Paul. I know he's got that star power, and some people will want us to spend some more time on this, but I just can't. Who the hell is Andre August? No disrespect, but seriously, like, I get it. Jake Paul is not the pure boxer. I know Jake Paul is not the traditional boxing fan, boxing purist boxer, but... At least he has some power, some draw power. At least he's gotten in there with some decent names. Uh, very notable names, I should say. Andre August, I mean, insert that Snoop Dogg gif where it zooms in on his face as he says, who? Yeah, uh, you know that you know that this fight doesn't have any star power when when when, when Tapology is refusing to cover it. <laughs> so- the zone isn't even gonna make it a pay-per-view. It's a traditional the zone card. <laughs> I know. It's like when Jake Paul no, but this is like when Jake Paul first got on the scene. It was just a traditional zone card. He's like, okay, let's see what he's got. And, and you know, let's be honest. This is a stay busy fight. That's what this is. Yeah, this is a stay busy fight because there's that Nate Diaz rematch kind of hovering in the background and uh I mean, Tom, could you just imagine if somehow, someway, Andre August just ruins ru- ruins the plans of every single business venture that DAZN and the EFL has on the horizon for Jake Paul? Because that would just be literal comedic gold if I were if that were to occur. What do you What do you think? Here is how Here is how DAZN execs 
and boxing execs would, would think hearing Jake Paul lost. Here is how some fight fans would react to seeing Jake Paul lose to Andre August. And here, and here is what social here's what social media will be like if Jake Paul loses to Andre August. Literally. I think it'll blow up. <laughs> Jesus. Alright, but uh yeah. I think we're both going with Jake Paul, but is, is he going to get a finish? Um, I'm going to say no. I think this fight goes ten, and I think it goes to a decision. What do you? What do you? What do you think? I is think Jake Paul. I, when you say when you say that, is Jake Paul going to drag this out as a means of, like I said, staying busy and getting working for a full ten rounds? Of course, yeah. Okay, then yeah. we're on the same page here. <laughs> of, of course, it's going to be a it's it's going to be a ten round decision with a. Out of circling and a lot of pop pop and and twos and a lot of August kind of just ducking out of the way, seeing if he can find an opening, failing to find an opening in a, every single round. Probably the referee screaming at Jake Paul to work seven or eight times around. It's gonna be it's gonna be just one of those forgettable performances that's gonna make you sit at home and ask you why the heck am I even watching this? So yeah, it's <laughs> not gonna it's not gonna go well and. uh and uh, I guess I can send my early condolence is to uh, to to MVP. This is gonna be this is gonna be this is gonna be a disaster. I think so too. Uh, one other card to note this weekend, San. It's for the WBA, the regular super middleweight title, as opposed to the super super middleweight title, because the WBA <laughs> has to have still still has to have five titles at like every every weight class. Of course, uh, it's. David Morrell taking on Senna, I, I echo. But Zan, the bigger thing about this is that last note there. This is the last time we are ever going to see Showtime boxing. It's the last time we're going to see Showtime in combat sports, period. Boxing, MMA, kickboxing, don't matter. This is, yeah. this, this is it. The sports department's closing. And, and yeah. this is the last time boxing will air on Showtime. So all that history, the end of an era is this weekend. Yeah, the end of an era is this weekend, and um, I guess I can give a lot of credit to Showtime because Showtime is one of the networks that that got me interested in the sport of boxing and led me to learn about it. So to hear that Showtime is going away, it's definitely really sad. I do think the PBC, though, and everybody involved are is in good hands, considering the story that we talked about last week. But um, I think this is going to be one of those events where. Um, where Showtime has to give it their best shot. And um, of course, I think they will do that. I think Minnesota is a very interesting backdrop. If you would have told me, you know, oh, it's in Brooklyn or it's in Texas for the last one, I would have believed that. But to hear that it's in Minnesota to me was quite strange. Um, it, nonetheless, this is a solid main event. Um, I definitely think that, oh, that David Morell is the better fighter so I will I will take him to win a decision, but I think the bigger story is going to be what is this broadcast going to look like? Is there going to be any mention that this is the final Showtime broadcast ever? Is there going to be any mention of the history that's taken place I on that so. network from, from a boxing perspective? Yeah, I think I I think I think so too. I think so because they did that with Bellator, even though they were uncertain of what was going to happen. They were doing that with Bellator, so. 
I feel like if they did that with Bellator, which was a more recent acquisition, they're as yeah, I know about the history of Strike Force and all that, but if they were able to do that for MMA, they're gonna do it for boxing because boxing has been a staple on that network, you know, for a long time at this point. Funny that you make mention of that though, because there was something that you wanted to talk about. So HBO stuff just put out uh its end of an era video that it aired on the final HBO boxing broadcast five years ago. And it's funny now how five years later, as we, I guess, mourn the five-year anniversary of the loss of HBO Boxing, now both big uh, premium cable networks, subscription cable networks, whatever you want to call them, are out of the boxing game. Which, and I've talked about this before. If you told me that when I was first getting into the MMA media sphere 2016, I would have told you you were crazy. Same here. Um, Yeah, I mean, definitely there's a lot of similarities, and I just think this is the end of traditional boxing and TV as we know it. And um, uh, this video, for for those who haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It's a 22-minute masterpiece of essentially the whole history of HBO boxing wrapped in one unbelievable production, which I don't know if Showtime will be able to replicate their own version of it, but um, for boxing fans growing up, this was how all the big fights were shown were through HBO Boxing, HBO Showtime. So there's a lot of mourning to do, but I think it's also a sign of an era coming to an end in the future of boxing, you know, being in interesting hands with all of these streaming services. So um, we'll see what happens, but definitely a time to to celebrate and understand the impact that both networks had on one another. And it'll be interesting to watch the broadcast. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was watching that videos then, and I'm just thinking of like, you know, everything that we saw on HBO, all the names from Canelo to Cotto, all the big fights that we got to see uh, through HBO, the Buster Douglas upset of Mike Tyson, the Hagler Hearns, the legendary fight between those two with the round, the basically the greatest round in boxing history. And then on the Showtime front, I mean, Zan, we saw when Mike Tyson made his return to the ring in the 90s, it was with Showtime. Showtime brought us the two-fight feud between Tyson and Holyfield. It brought us the fights with Floyd Mayweather, eventually the Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor fight. Showtime has there for so much over these last 30, 40 years. And it's kind of sad to see, as we kind of said, you know, like I'm sitting there, you know, watching the video, but I'm just thinking about like the history of everything and how different it's going to feel to see PBC on Amazon Prime. And I just hope, you know, all those production people between Showtime and PBC are going to be able to find new homes. I hope you know, Mar Ronaldo and company can go over to Amazon Prime with the rest of the PBC. I have a good, I have, I have, I have, I have a good feeling really well considering the impact that they've had on the sport. But yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting from a business perspective what all of them decide to do when so much more. So be sure that while you're watching the UFC, you tune in for a little bit to Showtime to not only see the main event but all. Also, see how Showtime closes the book on its boxing chapter. For yeah, sure. and, and that's the sad part. But I guess it also goes to state to tell you the state of boxing that it's in. That we got this very big end of an era, but of course we have UFC pay per view, the last the card of twenty twenty three there, and a Jake Paul fight, kind of overshadowing everything. 
just as much than as the HBO. I mean, the last Showtime pay per view a few weeks ago. I would argue was overshadowed by the PFL purchase of Bellator. Yeah, and I don't think it was for the purchase for that purchase that week. I think boxing would have been in the major talking point in combat sports, but I guess it's the nature of um of the of the combat sports um realm that we live in, and it definitely won't be changing anytime soon in terms of news taking precedent over historical means like this one for sure. Especially when it comes to MMA and boxing, that the MMA usually is gonna take the forefront. Right, exactly. Uh, one other one other piece of news before we get into the quick recaps. Uh, the WBC has elected to remove Andy Ruiz Jr. from its rankings because he has been inactive for a year plus. Obviously, Ruiz has been in a bunch of big fight rumors, whether it be with uh, a rematch with Joshua, whether, whether it be with Wilder, Fury. But Ruiz Jr. apparently and his team have been, I think if I remember correctly, Zan, difficult during some negotiations, according to some reports, especially with Wilder. Mm-hmm. Well. I guess my my um my thoughts on this are you know how can you do this to Andy Ruiz Jr. when you're setting it for president for somebody for, for somebody like Charlo who had ended his title in two and Thank you. I was just going to mention that. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense. It, it and doesn't. How do you, and 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 also if Andy Ruiz Jr. is really a staple of the heavyweight division, who who cares who, who cares. And he was out for a year compared to compared to Charlo. He was out. He was out for almost four. How do you? Yeah. How is Charlo? How is Charlo allowed to keep his title? Then it, it makes uh, no sense. No, no, it doesn't. Clearly, doesn't. But that's the WBC, and Zan, as we say every week, and maybe this plays into why we just talked about the things that we do. Where it is you know, boxing gets in its own way yet again, and. We're, we're not even, and we're not even out of 2023 yet, and we're still, we're still talking about it. It's unbelievable. But let's talk about something positive on the boxing front. Devin Haney continuing to do work, defeating Regis Prograde. It, it was not even close. 12 round unanimous decision. Get the brooms out. Sweep of the scorecards. He's the new WBC super lightweight champion. So he dominated 135. Zan. He dom- He dominates this fight here at 140. I could see him taking a few more fights at 140, and I pretty much agreed with Ariel Hawani's take on this, and we talked about it last week, that maybe a couple of years down the line, Devin Haney takes the jump to 147, and we see him battle with some of the best welterweights. I mean, Zan, could you imagine down the line a Devin Haney Terrence Crawford fight? I would so love that. Oh, I think think that's the dream for many boxing fans out there, and uh, I I don't think it's a matter of... um, of I don't think it's a matter of when it will happen, and or uh, I don't. I don't think it's if a matter. It will of happen. It's about when it will happen. It's, it's a matter. It's a matter of when it will happen and where it'll happen. That's what. That's what I think. And I, I also think too that w- without question, considering he nearly lost to Loma in May, this was without question the best performance of his career so far. And he, he made. And he made. He just broke a who, who, to his credit, really, really did his best to hype up the fight in the weeks leading up. He he just made he he just made him look like he was slow. He just he just made him look like he was in a totally different dimension than Haney. It seemed like Haney was able to do whatever he wanted to him, and it, it just seemed like after round five, six, seven, and beyond, that Okie just simply wasn't the same fighter, and it, it just continued until the fight ended. And truly, 
This was just a masterful performance by Haney. This was a masterful masterful coaching job by his dad. Oh, overall, a super as a performance for Haney Promotions and Company, and uh, a, a guy that definitely is so I'm going to look out for as a top five star in all of male boxing, one thousand percent going into going into next year. And and then of course on the MMA front, Song Yadong scoring his decision win over Chris Gutierrez. Originally was supposed to fight Peter Yan on this card. Peter Yan forced uh, withdrawing due to injury, and Yadong called him out at the end. And you saw you Peter Yan if you were on social media putting a yawn emoji out after Yadong's win, which was kind of one sided in itself. And Yadong actually taking to the mic with little help from the translator and trying to speak uh, English, trying to work on his English promos and with this call out of Yon. And also replying to that uh, Yon with, your last fight too, bro. And I just died. <laughs> he, yeah. I give him, his mic work is, his mic, he's picking it up. I like yeah. this, I like this post that interview. It's good. He He's definitely a, um, a bantamweight uh, to keep your eye on going into next year, and that Peter Yan fight is extremely enticing. So for sure, I, I want to see. I think that fight should be next, especially considering Yan. Especially considering Yan's coming off losses to Aljo and um and Marab. What do you think of doing Song Yudong versus Peter Yan in Saudi Arabia in March? Would you like? Would you like to see it? I mean, considering that this fight was also supposed to be on it. Well, this whole car was supposed to be international. It was supposed to be in. In China and Shanghai before it got moved back to the uh, to the apex. So, you know, I would like, uh, you know what? Better than nothing. I would like to see it on any form of international card. And Peter Yan versus Song Yudong might be your headliner for that. For sure. Very, very well said. It definitely gives the UFC an incentive to, to return to Shanghai as soon as they possibly can. That's for that's for sure. One last thing here. Give shout out to Quickless and Keita for his uh, knockout win to become the new Octagon featherweight champion at Octagon 50. Yeah, I mean, he he just looked 100% healthy. He looked like the Luzin uh, creative old for sure. And, uh, you know, if he decides to move on from Octagon at any point, I think he would be a very dangerous addition to the UFC featherweight division. I've said it since the first uh, time I interviewed with him that I think he's the biggest featherweight prospect in MMA and his win on Saturday definitely proved it and I think it, um, if he plays his cards right that's an Akita rematch could be very very interesting before he moves on and takes his next step but for the, those who don't know who is in Kieta is definitely look him up because he's a prospect to look out for and his knockout on Saturday showed what he, he could do and he's definitely someone to keep your eye on um, in the to come in someone who I think could be a really big future superstar regardless of promotion. For sure, I agree. I would love to see him in the UFC's featherweight division. Or I'd like to see him in the, you know, if the PFL would, if the UFC doesn't act, hey, PFL, there's somebody you might want to scoop up. Oh, yeah. Oh, PFL yeah. Europe or what's, what's coming in 2024? Is it the... um. Is it the Middle East one that's coming mm-hmm. 2024? Yeah, yeah, PFL yeah. Europe or PFL Middle East? I think Los Kieta, add him to your roster if the UFC don't act. Absolutely. Very well said. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Outsiders. Make sure you hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you get notified of everything here at the Empty the Bench Network. Make sure to follow us across social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, at MMA Outsiders ETV. Follow the network, Facebook, X, Instagram, and TikTok at ETV Network. To my right is Zan Vando. 
my co-host as always, Steph Ryder from BJPen.com and MMA Knockouts. That's where you can find his work, and you can follow him at Zamvando99. You can find my work at MMA News and Fansided MMA. I'm Tom Albano. You can also find my work over at the PFL with their website. Shout out to them for having me on for the 2023 season. Uh, and you can follow me on social media at Thomas J. Albano. Make sure to take MMA Outsiders on the road with you with ACAST and our other audio-only platforms. Uh, if you are listening on those platforms, make sure to go to our home on YouTube. Uh, hit that subscribe button, youtube.com slash ETV Network. We just passed 650 subscribers, so we thank you all for your support here at the network. And don't forget to go to etvpodcast.com for more content for the, uh, on our website and some blogs for some of our contributors. We might get some might have some MMA con- exclusive contributors coming in the near future. So hint, hint on some uh, stuff to look out for. Next week, little programming note. Last MMA Outsiders of the season. We will recap 296. We will recap Jake Paul. And we'll talk about the heavyweight card in Saudi Arabia on December 23rd. Absolutely. So stay tuned for, for all of that more. And this has been a production of the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Enjoy the last UFC pay-per-view of the year this weekend. Be Joe Piper, and we will see you guys soon. Take care, everyone. See you next week. Take care.